Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Lopez wants it away. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Home runner, Mike Piazza, and the Mets lead 3-2. Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened. This is one of the great moments in the history of baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, Mets fans of all ages, here is your host, Nick. Hello, Mets fans, and welcome back to another edition of Believe in the Mets right here on the Believe Podcast Network and on our awesome YouTube channel. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment so you never, ever miss an episode. The winter, it's still cold here in New York. It just snowed, but it's coming to an end in the baseball sense as the hot stove is no more pitchers and catchers have reported. And a lot of good fragrance still out there, but not anticipating the Mets to be active in going after any of those players. So it's been a rough offseason talking about the Mets so far and their lack of moves that I think are going to actually help the team. But joining me now, someone who will shortly be at spring training. He's been on the show with us before. You may have seen his work with Fan Nation and Sports Illustrated. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Pat Ragazzo. Pat, welcome back. Glad to have you here. We'll jump right into it. Your takeaways yesterday from the Carlos Mendoza season opening, spring training opening press conference. What did you think of what he had to say? Well, I just think that it's just a very basic, um, you know, opening for a manager, not just a new manager on, on you know, on a new team, but, um, you know, just in general for, for spring training, there's not a lot to take away from it. Um, you know, it's just the very, very uh, first one of many that are going to go on this season. And um, yeah, I mean, new skipper in the chair this year, one who comes without experience differing from Buck Walter, and um, you know he learned under Aaron Boone over the last several seasons and we'll see what he has this year but I mean the Mets are going to be looking a little different this year you know given their um, you know allowance that they spent this winter uh, the expectations aren't very high but there is still some talent on the roster and um, you know while there's a lot of ifs there's still uh, you know there's a lot of room for uh, you know potential high ceiling and bounce back seasons for certain players. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this pans out for the Mets. Certainly a lot of ifs who are the players or maybe the coaches that you're most looking forward to getting to, to know, or maybe speak to when you first get out of spring training of the new acquisitions or the new coaching staff here at the Mets. Well, honestly, um, you know, David Stern's going in the front office, uh, you know, looking forward to, to spending some time with him. I mean, uh, you know, we've gotten to speak with him a little bit at winter meetings, but, uh, you know, beyond that, he's still a newcomer. And, uh, you know, besides his first press conference and then obviously the winter meetings in December, hasn't been much chance to kind of get to know him. So that'll be, you know, an exciting opportunity. And, uh, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of new faces. So Carlos Mendoza is someone who we're going to be spending time with this season, building a relationship with him and, you know, potentially for the long term. And, um, you know, guys like, uh, you know, they, they brought in, um, you know, n- not too many, you know, big names, but still Harrison Bader, who, uh, you know, I covered with the Yankees last year. Of course, I covered the Mets and Yankees for uh, Fan Nation under Sports Illustrated. And, um, 
you know, they uh, they brought in Jake Diekman and, and Sean Manaya, Luis Severino, obviously covered him with the Yankees last year. So, yeah, there's a lot of new faces and personalities, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the, you know, the clubhouse chemistry pans out. There's a lot of veteran guys in there and some some old faces from the last couple of seasons. And obviously Pete Alonzo and Brandon Nimmo and Francisco Lindor, some positive, you know, influences in the in that clubhouse. So, uh, so yeah, it should be, should be interesting to see. So of the people they acquired in the offseason, as far as the bullpen is concerned, I think Jake Diekman, he's got the track record. He's the one that should be true to his numbers last year towards the end of the season with the Rays. Uh, for you, though, Pat, let's put him aside. Which of these guys did the Mets sign that are coming off awful years ERA-wise of like four, five, six, seven? do you think could actually make the most impact this season and turn out to be maybe even an all-star or at least that guy who's going to be there in the seventh and eighth inning for the Mets. Well, I wouldn't say that anyone was really an awful signing. Um, you mentioned Jake Diekman. He had a couple rough years in a row. He has some track record. He was designated for assignment after 13 appearances for the White Sox last season and the Rays picked him up and they fixed his delivery, cut down his walks, and he was very effective with a two-point 1-8 ERA in 45 innings after that. So that's very promising if the Mets can continue that success, if he's able to properly communicate to this pitching staff or, or the I, the coaching staff, I should say, um, you know, what exactly worked for him in Tampa and, and have it translate over to the Mets, then they should be in good shape. Um, but beyond that, I mean, the Mets have Brooks Raley. They have, they brought back Adam Adovino, who's coming off a down year. Uh, obviously he's up there in age. That was a little surprising that they brought him back especially for less money than the option he declined to, you know, to obviously not stay with the team initially. It's kind of a head scratcher. Um, so, yeah, I think Ottavino and Rayleigh will probably be in the mix for setup man and Deakman, of course. And you have Drew Smith coming back, who's shown flashes in the past, but he hasn't really been able to put it put it together consistently, and he's had trouble with giving up the long ball as well. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of going to be a similar bullpen to last year, but there's, there's some potential there, and obviously – they basically swapped David Robertson for Edwin Diaz and Edwin Diaz is an elite closer, potentially the best closer in the game, not named Josh Hader. So, um, you know, it, it should be slightly improved maybe. And there's, and, there, and there's some, some potential there. Well, we'll say Fujinami. Great. He throws 101. His ERA was in the sevens. Tonkin, his ERA was a four. Lopez, his ERA was in the fives. So, I don't know. Maybe there's going to be some miracle work here. Pat. Well, well, actually, actually, Lopez, it's, um, you know, he's only one. He's coming off a, a, a down year, but, um, you know, he was an all star in 2022. He had, he had a really good season. Um, I believe he struggled a little bit after he got traded at the deadline. Uh, but prior to that, he was like one of the best relievers in the game. So. So, yeah, there's there's some ceiling there. And, um, you know, it's a sneaky, potentially a sneaky, good pickup and, you know, low risk, high reward. So, um, you know, David Stearns has kind of made a living off of those types of moves. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, possibly a, a promising move there. Well, we'll see if, you know, the pitching guru and David Stearns and Jeremy Hefter can get these guys right. For me personally, I don't know if the – I don't think the bullpen's really improved. I thought even last year, going to the season with Robertson and Diaz, they were a little – they were a few arms short, and they really struggled in the regular season. It's great to have Evan Diaz back, Pat. But I don't know how much of an impact he's going to get because I don't know how often he's going to be getting the ball with the lead. You have a lot of these starting pitchers they've brought in here. Hauser, he's coming off his worst year. Obviously, Severino off his worst year. Manaya, a year where he made 20 appearances out of the bullpen. And you're kind of hoping for the best with these guys. McGill, he's going to 
hopefully bounce back if he's in the mix. Peterson, he's out for a while, Lucchese. So outside of Senga and Quintana, I'm looking at a pitching staff of guys that they really don't go much past the fifth inning. Even Senga's really going on six innings. Quintana's going after his only six innings. So it's going to come down to a lot of depth here. A lot of injuries uh, are probably going to play. So you want to have, I think, you can name all those starting pitchers, and there's going to be four or five more guys starting next year that we never heard of. So of what you know, Pat, are there any guys in the system, any prospects who maybe they're not even a high-ceiling guy, but what what starting pitchers should we keep an eye out for, an ear out for, that are already in the system that will most likely at some point make their, you know, their Jose Budo ascension and they'll be getting that spot start even if they get destroyed in that first outing because they just need to have that depth starting pitching-wise in the minors. Well, first off, Jose Budo is still an option and probably will get some starts this year and was solid when he had his when he took the ball last year. So, um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good depth piece for the Mets. And beyond that, they have guys like Mike Vassell and Tyler Stewart, Christian Scott, uh, you know, just to name a few. They have they have some guys coming up. Last year was a really good year in the Mets system for starting pitching. So uh, that's definitely something to hang your hat on. And, and yeah, we could we could possibly see. Uh, you know, some of those guys make their debuts this year because, uh, you know, you're going to need a lot of starting pitching across a full major league season. David Stearns is aware of that. Everybody in the game is aware of that. And it's just just the reality of the situation, especially with guys like, you know, who they added in the rotation, such as Luis Severino who's dealt with injuries in the past. Um, you know, there, there's going to be uh, opportunity probably for some of these guys who are at the triple A level. So uh, it should be fun to see, uh, you know, what those guys can do uh, coming up for the first time in their career. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's going to be the key for this franchise, right? Moving forward, obviously, next year, offseason 2025, huge free agent pitching class. Corbin Burns and Zach Wheeler, the top two, but new ownership with the Orioles, they're going to probably want to hang on to, to Corbin Burns. So we'll see. You got to build, you got to get some good starting pitchers from within. That's what happened in 2015. That's why they made the run to the World Series. Right. Let's talk about position player wise, Pat. I think you and I, you know, we talked about this last offseason that. The Mets were kind of lacking offensively going into the year last year, uh, especially power-wise. Now we're looking – we're pretty much looking at the same roster here uh, that went into last offseason, except taking out Vogelback and no more Eduardo Escobar. You got Brett Beatty. The rest of the ro- the rest of the players, the starters, pretty much look the same. So do you think that this is a, a roster offensively-wise that's going to be able to produce enough runs – uh, in order to maybe not have to worry about the, these starting pitchers who uh, are coming off some some poor years and have these injury outings. and Because obviously Harrison Bader, if he plays over 100 games, it's going to be good defensively. But you covered him last year. He hasn't played 100 games in like four or five years, and even so he hasn't been hitting. So just your overall takeaway right now, Pat, of this roster – uh, from an offensive perspective, they're going to be able to produce enough runs. Uh, are going to be able to get some more offense because last year they were middle of the pack uh, in the offense, but that was mostly coming from Pete Alonso as far as the power numbers is concerned. I've been very vocal this offseason about the necessity to add another bat, especially in the DH spot. And I also am a firm believer that they should have and still potentially could add a third base option such as a Gio or Shella to cover themselves in case Brett Beatty struggles again and has to go to the minors. 
the Mets, based off their thinking right now, want to give the young guys a shot, and they don't want to bring in guys who are going to make them look over their shoulder because they think that's going to stunt their growth, which makes sense. So um, when you look at last year's offense compared to what they have right now, the only addition they made was Harrison Bader. And Harrison Bader, at times in his career, has shown he can be productive offensively. We saw it with the Yankees. We saw it with the Cardinals at times. He's the best center fielder in the game statistically from a defensive standpoint when he's healthy. That's the big if right there. He's he's dealt with a lot of injuries in recent years. He's missed 199 games since the start of 2021. Um, he himself has said it in, in some of his uh, media appearances this winter that he's you know doing everything he can to focus on training in a way that's going to help him prevent injuries this year. Um, Cause that's really what it comes down to. I mean, he did hit for the Yankees and then he got injured again last year. He came off the injured list from a spring training injury, he came off the injured list after a month to start the regular season. He started hitting and then he got hurt again. And then his bat never picked up after that. So a healthy Harrison Bader might be a bonus on offense. I guess we'll see time will tell in that area. But beyond that, I mean, Brandon Nimmo is still a very productive player. Pete Alonzo, of course, he's having a down year in the average department, but that's because he lacks protection in the lineup. Uh, Francisco Lindor coming off a 30-30 season. Um, but the the big, uh, you know, here's what you need to focus on, though, as well is, and I asked David Stearns about this back in December, but, um, you know, how are, what instills confidence in the Mets that Starling Marte and Jeff McNeil are going to be healthy this year and have bounce back years and be the impact pieces that they were in the lineup in 2022? Because it made a huge difference. Um, if those two get back to being the players they were in 2022 and the players they have been, throughout their entire careers, pretty much um, the Mets offense should be fine because in 2022, it was pretty top heavy uh, to whereas it was Brandon Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, Starling Marte. Like those were the star hitters of the lineup. And yep. after that was where the Mets struggled, but they have those guys now who have have a track record. Plus you have Harrison Bader, who if he's healthy, he'll, he'll probably hit for you. And then you have Francisco Alvarez, who's coming off a 25 home run season. I mean, I know he struggled in the second half, but you expect him to improve this year and hopefully not take a step back. That's another bonus. Brett Beatty was a top prospect in baseball, and you know there's high expectations there. And if someone's someone's not looking over his shoulder, like maybe he can relax a little bit, especially if the rest of the lineup is producing. Uh, you know, it'll take the pressure off him. He'll be he'll be batting down in the lineup, and maybe you'll, you should you know you expect to get something out of him given his his standing as a prospect in baseball, you know, prior to being called up. And, um, you know, there, there is a lot of area there to, uh, you know, to, to have a good season offensively, just on paper, it looks like they should have added more. So it, it really will just come down to health and it'll come down to production and who's going to underperform, who's going to overperform, who's going to perform to their career norms. And, um, you know, the team they have at least, from the front office standpoint, the team they have right now, the offense they have right now, they believe could be a playoff team based off prior history and, and what these players have done in the past. And again, I don't agree with that strategy and that philosophy, but at the same time, it's not unrealistic. Yeah. Well, you look at the way the market is kind of shaked out. There's some good players available still that could fill many roles. Um, I thought a guy like Whit Merrifield would have made a lot of sense. High average, stolen base, could play wide position. So it's kind of makes you like question, like, why are they so aggressive to jump out and sign like a guy like Joey Wendell right off the bat? Uh, he, you know, why was he that much of an upgrade over Luis Guillorme? I don't think so. 
mark it down, Guillaume is going to win a game for the Braves against the Mets this year for sure. Iglesias is a nice signing, but I don't even see him making the roster, Pat, because Lindor, what did he miss, one game last year or the year before one game because it was thumb injury. So where's the where's the need for a backup shortstop? Obviously, you're not going to carry backup shortstop just to be on the bench. You're going to probably, you know, that's going to be Wendell's job there. So it's interesting how they, they kind of shake that the offseason. You have to wonder if there's any remorse, any regret with the way this whole thing played out. But we're not going to hear that, obviously, from Stearns. He's obviously happy that he got Carlos Mendoza, I'm sure, and he's happy with the way they're strategizing. This is a I've, team. I've talked to some people around baseball who love Joey Wendell, by the way, too. So um, he has a really good reputation. He's scrappy. Um, you know, he's a player who potentially could give the Mets a little bit in small doses and, and be a nice depth piece. If he's playing every day, they're going to have problems. But if you're just plugging him in once in a while, giving a guy a rest or, or you know, using him in the right situations, like he could be, you know, a, a, you know, he, he could work out for them. And uh, I think that's what they saw, you know, more of a, a ceiling in Joey Wendell than they did in Luis Guillorme, who Guillorme had a really good year in 2022 in a part-time role. But, uh, you know, beyond that, he's dealt with injuries and, and, and did not hit very well last year as well and still dealt with injuries again. Well, we'll see how that shakes out. Again, a lot of good players available on free agency, but this is the Mets roster. I've been saying for weeks, it's pretty much set. And I'm not sure that they're going to be a, wild card team like david stearns is preaching uh you know obviously we keep hearing alonzo talk which i don't want to hear about anymore we all know he's going to free agency unless he gets traded and this is a team that i think if they're if they're uncompetitive i don't think david stearns would have any uh hesitations about trading these guys because none of these players are his players uh obviously we're months away from this but what what kind of sense do you get about david stearns and maybe his attachment to anybody on this roster. Is he truly going to just use this year to see what he's got? And do you think he hesitated at all to trade any of the big names on the roster, such as the Pete Alonso, if he thinks it's going to better the team in the future? Well, that you hit it on the head right there. I mean, that's his job. He's not attached to any player on the roster right now. I mean, they know that Pete Alonso is a franchise cornerstone and a fan favorite, and it would cause a lot of heartache if they were to trade him. And that's why they didn't trade him this off season. Um, but not only that, I mean, he's a great player. He's the best power hitter in the game of baseball. No one has more homers or RBI since he debuted in 2019. So um, yeah, I mean, Stearns wants to see what he has. He wants to see what he has in the young guys who are major league ready now, such as a Vientos and a Brett Beatty and Alvarez. And, uh, and, and they're going to go from there. And, and, and again, it's, it, it's a business at the end of the day. So he's going to do, he's going to operate in the fashion of what's best for the Mets in the short term, mostly the long term, but short term and long term. Uh, so if they're, yeah, if they're uncompetitive by the, the trade deadline, like he's going to be fielding calls about Pete Alonzo. And if the price is right, uh, it'd probably be in the best interest for them to trade him. Um, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but um, yeah. that's just the reality of, of the game of baseball. And I also get the sense that, like, if the Mets were, like, let's say a game or two under 500 and that, or maybe like a game or two over 500, I think they'd be more inclined to probably just stand, stand pat than go and be aggressive and make a trade, even though they have like a million shortstops in the system. So I really think, unless they really overperform Pat in the first half, uh, that they're most likely going to just ride it out with this roster or, or make trades. Do you think do you, do you get that sense as well? Yeah, I mean, if there's a chance for them to make a playoff run by the trade deadline, they're going to stand pat and maybe make some moves, but not major moves. Um, yeah. They didn't make I, major moves in 2022, so why would they make major moves in 2024? 
well, it's a different different operator at the helm now, so uh, so you can't can't necessarily compare it to that. But yes, I I, I know where you're coming from. So Pat, are you going to be are you going to the London series, Mets Phillies? I don't think so. I don't I don't think I'll be going to the London series. It I think that's cool. going to be a a big series for the Mets. That's going to dictate where they're going to go for the rest of the season. Potentially, but uh, but yeah, I I don't as much as I'd like to love to go to London. I I don't think I will be attending. All right. So we talked about the regime change. Billy Epler, he gets suspended. So the big question is, Pat, like who reported him? How did this happen? And if if this didn't come up, uh, we, we were assuming he was going to be back this offseason. But I don't understand what his role would have been. What would he have actually done that made this offseason differently? Your whole takeaway on this whole Billy Epler suspension thing here. Well, I can't speak to who reported him. Um, it sounds like potentially someone in the organization, but I don't know. And it could honestly be anyone. Um, from the from what some players have said, specifically Tommy Hunter, um, a lot of people are saying that every team does this and they don't know why he's being singled out. Um, and as far as what his role would have been this year, I mean, he was the main decision maker for the Mets across the last two seasons. So they were bringing in someone above him who was going to make decisions over him. So he would have been like essentially an assistant G he would have the GM title, but he, he essentially would be assist, assistant advising. Oh, this guy, uh, I know he was good. He, he would be the number two. So he's, he would be an assistant GM essentially yeah. just without that title. And Stearns obviously right. is. I wonder if made much of a difference uh, this offseason if Epler was here. No, Unless you think that he would have uh, convinced Shohei Otani or Yamamoto, but I, I don't think it would have made any any impact. But I mean, there probably would have been more conversations, or at least a conversation. I don't even know if they had a conversation with him because they were never in on him. Um, I think there probably would have been a conversation given the relationship that that was there. But um, beyond that, it wouldn't have influenced them signing him or not because it wasn't in their budget. Yeah, or right. plan. Right. So last week on the show, talked about. A Buck Showalter, he got wronged. He came out, he said, you know, he was told to bench Brandon Nimmo because he was running the bases too much after a big yeah. game. We know that he was told to play Vogel back every day. So looking back now on last season, Pat, why is it that some fans still continue to blame Buck Showalter for the Mets' shortcomings last year in the first half? Because once they did the, the fire sale at the deadline, there was nothing that anybody could do that was going to make the team turn it around at that point with losing all their star players. So what do you what do you make of Buck Showalter's recent comments that have come out? Um, I don't agree with benching a player the next day after they had a big night the night before. But I agree with the performance staff and the the data and information they have now, especially with a player like Brandon Nimmo, who's dealt with lower body injuries in his career. Um, I agree with them doing what they can with the information that they have to make sure that he's healthy, because you'd rather him sit for a day to prevent an injury that could be two weeks, three weeks, a month, maybe more. So I agree with that. Um, Buck Showalter, it was not all his fault. But he 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 made some he's known for being a really good in-game manager, but he's made some big errors in his career. Um, but last year he was like pushing all the wrong buttons and it was almost like it was a different manager from 2022. So I think that was impacted at all by Eric Chavez being the bench coach. 
I don't think so. But I think that um, uh, I think the front office had some influence, obviously, but not in his in-game decisions. But but such as like the story came out and I believe it came from Buck or maybe it came from someone anonymous. Who knows? But um, it probably came from someone from the coaching staff that that Billy was pressuring Buck to play Vogel back every day. Yeah. Um, stuff like that, you know, out of his hands. Um, but, you know, other stuff is just kind of hindsight comments at this point. And it's kind of just like, um, you know, the relationship ended and it's like information is going to come out afterwards and people aren't going to look good on, on either side. So um, that's kind of just all it is. And, uh, you know, Buck Walters, even though he's never been in, in a World Series, he's a future Hall of Fame manager and he had a very good season with the Mets in 2022, but uh, things didn't work out in 2023. And it was, it was definitely time to, to move on. All right, Pat. Last thing here. We're not getting yourself in trouble. Do you think the Mets are a playoff team for 2024? I think that while there's no expectations given the team on paper, David Stearns has built playoff teams with less talent and a lower payroll. And again, he's made a career off of these little moves that aren't too flashy and it winds up working out for him. So I think a lot of things need to pull the Mets way and, and could, or it could go the other way. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that they could be a wild card team if, if, if enough things go their way this year. All right. We'll see. There's going to be a lot of ifs, obviously, especially with Harrison Bader and Marte playing. If you got Tyrone Taylor playing a lot of games and like you said, Joey Wendell playing a lot and a Brett Beatty and Mark Fantos not hitting, Gonna have some problems. We'll, we'll see. We'll take it one one week at a time for now. Pat, thanks for joining us as always. Let everybody know where they can find you and find your work as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you can check out my work at si.com slash MLB slash Mets. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ragazzo Report. All right, make sure you're following us on all social medias and YouTube at Believe in the Mets at B-L-E-A-V-I-N-T-H-E-M-E-T-S. And follow me on Twitter, also known as X now, at Nick underscore Durst. And on Instagram, at Nick's Food and Stuff. Pat, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy beautiful Port St. Lucie this weekend. And until next time, everybody, let's hope for the best. And let's go Mets. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.